Welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast with your hosts, Alex Harris. And with them, as always, are Tim Garner and Matt Paul. Uh, that was a really good clap joke I had before we started recording, I think. You'll never hear it. The world's a darker place. I know. I mean... Only for that reason and that reason alone. That is the only reason things are dark right now. I can't think of only. anything else. Everything's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Problems? What? Uh, Nothing ever happens. No. Other than like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre requill getting like eviscerated. Har, har, har. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting massacred, you could say. Literally massacred. <laughs> <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacred. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacred. I know. I, I'm very fascinated by people's reaction to the movie because I, I thought it was perfectly in line with your average modern sequel to a long-running horror franchise, you know? And and the, the opinions are very polarizing. Some people are like, oh, I thought it was a fucking blast. I don't know what people were talking about. And other people are like, this was fucking garbage. So it's just... I, I don't know. There's there are also those people who who insist that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre should never have been a franchise. Right, and you know what? I I might agree with them. I I never really got into that franchise, but I think I kind of agree. I yeah, I never thought of that until I started hearing that, and I'm like, wow, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think it would have been a lot better if it was just one movie. Although I know there's a lot of people who have a weird fascination with the the sequels. And when they get, like, really wacky and weird. Yeah, well, the second one, like, leaned into comedy more than <laughs> yeah. Isn't Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey in one of them? Texas Chainsaw, The Next Generation. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a very strange series, to say the least. A little bit. Anyway! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast. I'm Alex Harris. I'm an independent writer-slash-director. You may know me from my dark sci-fi movie, Manvasion. Two human eggs hatch on an alien planet. The indigenous aliens do their best to hold off the invading species, but their resources are quickly used to build yachts, big box stores, Spacebook Marketplace, and several Jimmy Buffett statues. As their sacred temples are turned into a cosmic Starbucks franchise, one brave alien, Gehipovidib 7, struggles to survive in a hostile environment that the invaders heartlessly refer to as Earth 2 Electric Boogaloo. Can Jechbivis 7 save herself before her bones are used to make essential oils? Find out this May 57th when Manvasion premieres on HPV Ma- What? Wait, what the fuck? Hi, I'm Tim Gardner, man suit actor, contortionist, mime, green suit guy. You may know me from my work in Ghostbusters Afterlife, where I assisted in many of the scenes with the invisible ghost Egon. Oh, were you in a green suit operating the lamp that was uh, moving on its own in Egon's underground hideout or something? No. I played the damn lamp. <sighs> uh, okay, I'll, I'm sorry. I, I I didn't look past my disgust about what they were doing to Egon and Harold Ramis, only to have my work devalued. Fair enough. They originally wanted me to do mocap for the symmetrical stack of books. I mean, can you believe that? <laughs> but I have some principles, thank you very much. So I insisted they let me do it in a rubber book stack suit instead. Nice. Hi, I'm Matt Paul, and I'm just a guy on a podcast. I'm certainly not a script doctor. And anyone who says I am needs to stay at least 50 yards away from me. Just like Ridley Scott insisted I do after I showed up at his house with my spec script for a House of Gucci sequel. 
where a former child actor and current teen star somehow inherits the Gucci empire, Cole Sprouse of Gucci. Didn't Ridley Scott already have a restraining order against you? He did, but I borrowed your Tom Planter makeup and fake ID so that I could get past security. So technically, it's a completely new restraining order against Tom Planter, which is kind of a bummer for you because I heard Ridley was interested in producing Harry and Henderson's 3, Furry Road. Matt, what the hell? I, I thought you were giving up on spec scripts. Uh, did didn't your Uncle Pentor ask you to stick to script doctoring or stick to not at all being a script doctor in case anyone is listening to this conversation we're recording for several podcast platforms? Alex, what are you doing listening to my private conversations? Matt, you you keep having phone calls in the studio while we're recording episodes. I I heard your conversation with your uncle while I was editing. I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. I thought you didn't listen to the parts that didn't involve you. Just like how I always fast forward past the parts where I'm not talking. I do not ignore the parts where I'm not talking. I just maybe use that time to pay some bills or take a long shower. But but I did hear it this time. Mainly because I thought that when your uncle mentioned Christopher McQuarrie, it was actually code for me. Since we're both prolific writer-directors. And we both spend a large amount of time around Tom Cruise. It's just that McQuarrie is considered cool because he does it while filming movies. And I did it while attending Scientology recruitment seminars in an attempt to convince Tom Cruise to cast me as Benji from Mission Impossible's long-lost brother, Grover Dunn. Well, fine. Yes, my Uncle Pandora did tell me to stick to doctoring. But then I heard from my other script doctor friend, the sentient computer Skynet, that my uncle took the fast duel my spec script about the feud between Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson on the set of the Fast movies and is making the movie without my involvement. The, I don't want to say anything bad about a member of my family, but the absolute motherfucker. (laughs) If the elders back in Cobra La knew how devoid of ethics Uncle Pentor is, they'd stop sending him gourmet mice to eat via post snakes. Damn, Matt. That's some cold shit. Your uncle did that to you? I guess I shouldn't be surprised. He's full Cobralarian. And we know how slimy and slithery they can be sometimes, especially since they're literally slimy and slithery. I'm only half Cobralarian, so my reptilian genetic disposition to do terrible things conflicts with my human genetic disposition to do terrible things, and the two kind of cancel each other out. (laughs) Matt, I... I'm so sorry, man. That must be awful. You're supposed to be able to trust him. He, he's he's family. What, what are you going to do? Nothing. I can't do anything. I'm trapped. I've been script doctoring since right after high school. I wouldn't know how to get another job even if I wanted to. How do normal people get jobs? By being pressured into some human job like video store clerk or Trader Joe's crew member? <laughs> By their human uncle? I mean, I do have a scripting medical license. But I don't think that translates to internal medicine. I don't know what to do. Listen, Matt, I'm, I'm sorry. This must be a nightmare for you. I'm, I'm here for you. But, uh, and I know this is probably a bad time to talk about this. I'm honestly pretty upset that you may have messed up my Tom Planner identity. You know how much work I put into that. You're right, Tim. This is a bad time. <laughs> We're talking about how my uncle hasn't been loyal to me at all. You know how much I value loyalty. That's why I expect you to do the loyal thing and look past what I did to you and how I may or may not have betrayed your trust. 
Yikes, seems like you guys have some stuff to sort out. Uh, anyway, once again, in an affront to my desire to control all the chaos in my life, no matter how chaotic it gets, we have some corrections from the previous episode. First, I realize the Ghostbusters movies do tend to have somewhat scary openings, but I still felt like the beginning of Ghostbusters Afterlife was a little more serious, exciting, intense than usual. Second, I have no idea if Cowboy Troy actually started Pop Country. I just used to work at a record store, and I remember a CD of his coming in and thinking to myself, what? And someone explained the concept of Pop Country to me at that time. For those who don't know, Troy Lee Coleman III, better known by his stage name Cowboy Troy, is an American rapper and songwriter best known as a representative of the country rap genre. He is a member of the Music Mafia, that's M-U-Z-I-K, an aggregation of country music singer-songwriters whose membership also includes Big and Rich, Gretchen Wilson, and James Otto, whoever that is. You may know Cowboy Troy from his song, I Play Chicken with the Train, which is not a joke. Jesus, the depravity of mankind. (laughs) Also, for our younger listeners, if we have any, the compact disc, also known as a CD, is a digital optical disc data storage format that was co-developed by Philips and Sony to store and play digital audio recordings. The first compact disc was manufactured in August 1982 and released in October 1982, originally branded as Digital Audio Compact Disc. Related, I asked if Cowboy Troy made that Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy song, but that was actually Cowboy Troy's Music Mafia Buddies Big and Rich. Lesser known is the unreleased G-rated version of the song, Save a horse, ride in a cowboy's enormous overpriced truck. And finally, I apologize for accidentally saying Luigi's Manson instead of Luigi's Mansion. During last week's news segment, I was actually thinking of my spec script about Luigi starting a cult so he could manipulate people into doing the one thing he's never had the guts to do himself. Stab Mario to death in his own home in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you think when they do you think when they break Mario to get a confession, he just finally says, It's a me. It's a me. <laughs> it's a me. I am a dead. <laughs> it's a me. I did it. I mean it does sound like something Luigi would fantasize about. That's it for corrections. Let's move on to some news. Ryan Reynolds has teased that further details about Deadpool 3 are coming soon. He promised the updates would come even sooner if you had premium wireless service on the nation's largest 5G network, but only for $15 a month on Mint Mobile. Um, can I just say that um, the other day I was at work and I looked out onto Western Avenue and a liquor alcohol shipping truck drove by with a huge splash on the side of it of him and his gin and i did that thing <laughs> that like nelson does in um in um simpsons and just went ha ha <laughs> <laughs> I, I i meant to tell you guys that's awesome that's great thank you for sharing the fifth indiana jones movie has officially wrapped filming they also released the official title indiana jones 4 we've never even heard of crystal skulls <laughs> Dr. Strange's Benedict Cumberbatch reportedly helped save a family from a herd of cows. The vengeful family was originally going to make a meal out of their attackers, but they decided to save a cow and eat a horse boy. (laughs) (laughs) Poor horse boy. No, not centaurs. (laughs) It's an adorable centaur. (laughs) Steven Spielberg is developing a movie based on Steve McQueen's classic character, Bullet. 
In an attempt to follow in his hero's footsteps, J.J. Abrams is already working on a reboot of Jodon Baker's classic cop movie, Mitchell. My, my, Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell. <laughs> Jerry Bruckheimer is producing a movie based on the popular toy line Beyblade. In related news, James Wan has begun production on his new horror movie, The Texas Furby Massacre. I'd see that. <laughs> Shirley's Theron has reported that she felt threatened by Tom Hardy while working on Mad Max Fury Road. Theron originally insisted on an apology, but decided that Venom 2 was punishment enough. Ooh. <laughs> the poor guy. The King's Man was watched by 2.2 million U.S. households in its first four days of streaming, which leads to the disturbing revelation, Matthew Vaughn owns 2.2 million U.S. households? Eat the rich. <laughs> One of the stars of the Batman, Colin Farrell, once casually walked into a Starbucks in his full penguin makeup just to see what would happen. In related news, Spin City actor Richard Kine entered his usual Starbucks to find that his online order had already been given to someone else. Oh, wow. They do look alike. <laughs> Said the barista. <laughs> in additional Colin Farrell news, Farrell fought for Penguin to have a cigar in The Batman, but they decided he should just vape like a real penguin. And penguins are so cool. I know. They're, all, they're always, you know, with it. Just like the kids say. I blow that cotton. <laughs> For the record, this that news story is getting around and people are like clickbaiting it to make it sound like DC wouldn't let him smoke. But apparently it's actually because they felt like the penguin had to earn his cigar. He had to be like fully fledged mm. kingpin penguin in order to have it. Like not just up and coming penguin. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, okay. Ben Stiller says the failure of Zoolander 2 wasn't a great experience. Well, watching it wasn't exactly a walk in the park either, Ben. <laughs> Meg 2, The Trench, the sequel to 2018's The Meg, has added Sienna Gilroy and Skylar Samuels to the cast. So far, we still have no idea who's playing this girl, Meg. <laughs> the sequel book is far better than the original, so I'm kind of... I'm kind of looking forward to that one. Oh, yeah, there's, like, dinosaurs in it, right? Yeah, there's other, like, prehistoric... There's other things. There's, like, yeah, you you know the thing in um in Jurassic World that that eats that girl yes. yeah. from the water. Yes, there's one of those in it, or I think may, maybe more than one. I remember the the sequel book being so much better, so I hope this is good. Fingers crossed. Guy Ritchie's Operation Fortune has been removed from the release schedule. Hopefully, this doesn't affect his finances too much, because then he may have to sell some properties and change his name back to Guy Wealthy. <laughs> Poor guy. In another desperate attempt to improve ratings, the Oscars are dropping eight categories from the live telecast. Alarmingly, they're also going to change the name of the ceremony to Watch or Your Loved Ones Will Die. I think they're coming on a little strong. <laughs> the reported cast of Star Trek IV were blindsided by news of their involvement. I was blindsided, too, because I had just pitched them Star Trek Afterlife, where their ghost of Commander Riker helps his grandson learn how to clean up the holodeck after recreational use. We all know what that means, Riker. <laughs> hey, Riker's fetish is consent. <laughs> He's a gentleman. Mm -hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis has wrapped filming the next movie in the Halloween franchise, Halloween Ends. Most impressively, she managed to finish only 45 minutes after she started filming. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope not. I know, right? Uh, so, mute this for a second if you're a little behind on your movie news or movie watching. 
Daredevil star Charlie Cox claims the theater was dead quiet during his cameo when he went to see Spider-Man No Way Home. Turns out they were just in stunned silence because they were so surprised to see Cox in a PG-13 movie. (laughs) 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 An official image has been released for Daniel Radcliffe's Weird Al biopic. The movie promises to cover the dark period of Yankovic's life, where he impersonated a surgeon to disastrous results. That photo that you sent us, Alex, is, it looks like he has like, like, like under his eyes were made to look very dark. Is that a thing that like, I, I don't think Weird Al has circles. I actually think, I think Daniel Radcliffe has really dark under eyes, actually. Oh. Now that I think of it. I oh. do think he has strangely dark eyes. Have you? Well, yeah, you get lost in them for days. Um, <laughs> do you, uh, are you, did you guys see the official photo for of him as Weird Al? I did. Yeah. I did. I did not see it's, that. I'll it's have to look si- it up. It's literally almost in silhouette, so they're kind of like hiding the reveal. I also saw a picture today of um, Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood is, yeah. As Madonna. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. I'm hoping this movie is, like, real silly. The only thing is it's for Roku. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> Poor guy. Since when does Roku have... I mean, everybody. They all have them. They bought... Roku bought all the Queeby stuff. Oh. <laughs> is it Queeby or Quibby? I thought it was Quibby. <laughs> Queeby sounds like... Doesn't matter now, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then there's Tubi. Yeah, there's Tubi. Yeah, Tubi, the real, the real king. Of streaming. Hey, Tubi is doing some archival great things with film. Hell yeah, hell yeah, big time. Again, Tubi, we're you know we're we're available. Yep. If you uh want to sponsor us, yeah. If you need a new uh, song, Tubi, Tubi, Tubi. <laughs> I'll be sitting by the phone. <laughs> One of the stars of HBO's White Lotus, Fred Hatchinger. Hatch- yeah, I guess. No, no, no. Has been cast <laughs> as the. <laughs> Has been cast as the villain chameleon in the Craven the Hunter movie. Henchinger's parents were so excited for their son until they found out it was for the Sonyverse, at which point they made him some hot chocolate and told him they love him no matter what. They don't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're clearly disappointed. <laughs> you could just hear it in their voice. <laughs> but I appreciate their efforts. Yeah. Ian McDermott has said that he's open to returning as Palpatine in a future Star Wars project. He even pitched Disney a Wonder Years style coming of age story called The Palpatines. <laughs> T E E N S. I'd watch that. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that Malignant, starring our boy Gabriel, is actually on the leaderboard for the Oscars fan favorite movie category, which you can still vote on, at least at the time of this recording. To quote from a lesser-known movie that I'm sure has no chance of beating Malignant, with great power comes great responsibility to vote for Malignant. That's it for news. Let's move on to new releases. Seriously, please vote for Malignant. New releases! (laughs) It'd just be so funny if the fucking Academy has to give the Malignant something. Right? That would be awesome. It would be so good. They'd be so upset. (laughs) And I'm sure they wouldn't do it in an actual ceremony. It'd probably just be something they put on Twitter. Yeah. But, like, imagine if, like, they had to do it during the ceremony and then fucking Gabriel came out to accept the award <laughs> or something. Uh, that's how you get people to watch the Oscars. <laughs> New in theaters only is The Batman. When the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his own family's involvement. 
The superhero film is another reboot of DC Comics and Warner Brothers' popular Batman film franchise and is directed by Matt Reeves, who wrote the screenplay with Peter Craig. It stars Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash the Batman, alongside Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro, Peter Sarsgaard, Andy Serkis, and Colin Farrell. <clears throat> as Richard Kind. As Richard Kind. <laughs> as the Penguin. <laughs> and Colin Farrell as Richard Kind as the Penguin. New in theaters and streaming on Showtime is After Yang. In a near future, a family reckons with questions of love, connection, and loss after their AI helper unexpectedly breaks down. Science fiction drama is written, directed, and edited by Koganada, who also directed the Apple TV Plus show Pachinko, which you may have seen tons of ads for. I have. It stars Richard Kind as Colin Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> it stars Colin Farrell, Jody Turner Smith, Juster H. Min, Malaya Emma Chunjarigia, and Haley Lou Richardson. The film had its world premiere at the Cannes Film Festival on July 8th, 2021, and received universal acclaim from critics. New on Netflix is Against the Ice. In 1909, two explorers fight to survive after they're left behind while on a Denmark expedition in ice-covered Greenland. The historical survival film is directed by Peter Flinth, based on the true story recounted in Two Against the Ice by Enyar Mikkelsen. The film was written by Nikolai Koster-Waldu and Joe Derrick. It stars Coster Waldu as Mickelson, Joe Cole as Ivor Iverson, <laughs> and Charles Dance and Hayda Reed in undisclosed roles. Good for uh, Nikolai as writing that film as well. Good for him. Acting and writing. Double threat. Doing a lot after <laughs> Game of Thrones. Also, what a name. Ivor Iverson. That's incredible. Gunner Gunnerson. That reminds me of Billy Idol's guitarist, Steve Stevens. There you go. <laughs> New on Netflix is The Weekend Away, a weekend getaway to Croatia that goes awry when a woman is accused of killing her best friend. As she attempts to clear her name and uncover the truth, her efforts unearth a painful secret. The mystery thriller is directed by Kim Ferentz, written by Sarah Alderson, and stars Leighton Meester, Christina Wolf, Zayed Bakri, and Luke Norris. All right, that's it for new releases, which means it's time for What Did We Watch This Week? What did we watch this week? Was there an alien on board? Yes. There's definitely something in here with us. We have no weapons of any kind. It came out in 1992, but this week we watched Alien 3. After her last encounter, Ellen Ripley crash lands on Fiorina? Yeah, Fiorina. Fiorina. Or Fury. (laughs) Fiorina? No, no, but it's like Fiorina Fury 161, right? Yeah. Fiorina Cat Chow 161. (laughs) A maximum security prison. When a series of strange and deadly events occur shortly after her arrival, Ripley realizes that she has brought along an unwelcome visitor. Spoiler, it's an alien! The science fiction <laughs> horror film is directed by David Fincher and written by David Geiler, Walter Hill, and Larry Ferguson from a story by Vincent Ward. 
It stars Sigourney Weaver reprising her role as Ellen Ripley, alongside the GOAT, Charles Ditz, <laughs> Brian Glover, Charles S. Dutton, Ralph Brown, Paul McGann, Danny Webb, Lance Henriksen, Holt McElhaney, Peter Pulstwaith? <laughs> Is that how you say his name? Sure, sure. And, D- and Danielle Edmond. It is the third installment in the Alien franchise and was followed up by 1997's Alien Resurrection. The movie was famously tampered with by the studio to David Fincher's great dismay, who had yet to reach the legendary director status that would allow him to make his movies unbothered. So, as a warning, I'm sure there will be spoilers as we discuss Alien 3, so if you haven't seen it yet, you may want to pause this, watch the movie, and come back. Or pause this, watch the movie, take like a long shower, and then come back. (laughs) Otherwise, let's dig right in. So, Matt and Tim, what are your favorite things about the incredibly depressing Alien 3? (laughs) This movie turns 30 this year, just as a little bit of trivia. Happy 30th birthday, Alien 3. Yay. So, yeah, when I first... I'm sure you guys had the same feeling when when you first saw this movie and they killed off Hicks... Especially Anything. Hicks and also Newt. I mean, Newt, like whatever, <laughs> but it was pretty um, earth shattering after yeah. seeing them in Aliens and, you know, but I will say as the movie has aged and as I've aged, <laughs> um, I kind of love it. It's very dark and yeah, heavy and not at all like aliens or even alien for that matter but it's great and i'm and it's i feel like the the main thing is you know because it was screwed around with and had such a crazy development you know hell which which could be its own episode but right it still turned out to be what i think is a pretty cohesive good movie with you know tons of atmosphere and a lot of really cool shots and very emotional parts. Yeah. Yeah. It's a credit to David Fincher that he was able to make a, a, a perfectly good movie yeah. in the midst of all of that giant bullshit. <laughs> there's like, yeah. there's like four, diff- four scripts. Yeah. There were like four, four different scripts. And like Walter Hill and David Geiler or Geiler. Were, yeah. Did they, were they, did who got the credit? I can't remember who actually got the writing credit. Geiler and Hill. Okay, what's sure. Geiler and Hill if I got the credit? Okay. Yeah, as as it said in it's uh written by David Geiler, Walter Hill, and Larry Ferguson from a story and Vincent Ward got story credit story, because okay. I think he was supposed to make it. Yeah. I think he was gonna write and direct it, and then they didn't like what he was doing, and then there was like a last minute change. And Walter Hill is, is has been one of the producers. I think David Geiler too. Walter Hill's been one of the producers since the beginning of the franchise. And he's he does more like tough guy movies. He did, he did like uh, Streets of Fire. The Warriors. Um, Warriors. You know, this isn't like the Alien franchise wouldn't really strike you as the kind of movies that Walter Hill would be involved in, I would say. So that kind of mindset conflicting with David Fincher, I'm sure was like a huge part of a lot of the issues that they had making this. Yeah, exactly. I think. Fincher pulled a thermodynamic miracle. He <laughs> salvaged yeah. he he salvaged this from its development hell. Um, so there a lot should be you know praised. What we got as divisive as it can be, not as divisive as Resurrection, mind you. Um, <laughs> but as divisive as Alien Three is, I think Fincher did a great job with what he had. 
Uh, yeah. You know, like it is, it is dark as fuck. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, you have no attempted rape. Uh, I know. Yeah. I always forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, some shit. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's easy to forget about that when, you know, this is like the movie that has a four, a quadrupedal like alien and, (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, like the Ripley's radical uh, physical uh, change in terms of like, oh, my God, she shaved her head. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's dark as fuck to which you can appreciate that now, maybe more now than then, perhaps because of maybe because we're older or maybe because of how things have gone along in this terrible timeline. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but um, my favorite thing about this movie is the Wayland yutani heavily armed commando team oh yeah those guys are cool i always forget about them yeah, yeah they are cool with the helmets and the goggles and the yeah they're uh, all kind of wearing something different but it's all kind of similar yeah it, it, it goes well with like the the suits that they had in the first movie the spacesuits yes with, yeah. the, with like the backpacks and stuff, and the hot because like in the the hockey gloves used as space suit gloves. Yeah, but yeah, I, I liked it especially because it, it showed growth. I think in Waylon Yutani's understanding of the xenomorph and the fact that like, look, they have armor that's designed yeah. to handle this type of situation. So I appreciate right. that little bit of world building, however unintentional it may have been. Uh, but you know, as an audience member, I appreciated it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of I, I I feel like my favorite part. I mean, it's it's a very intense part, but the 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 scene. Well, well, it's two scenes happening at the same time, going back and forth. But the when they're cremating, the scene? yes, yes, they, that was something I wrote down too. When they're when they're cremating and eulogizing Hicks and Newt at the same yeah. time that you know. The, the you know the alien is bursting out of that poor dog's chest that uh, that might be like the most emotion like and i think only because it's a dog somehow it's like okay for this to happen to people but like when it happens to i know a dog yeah. it's that like yeah thing. yeah that's how it is man and it, it happens like right around the time that there's like when he there charles s dutton is saying something about like the the sacrifice of the innocent yeah mm-hmm. and i think right around when he says that is when the dog like dies oh. yeah yeah, I, I I I just love that whole sequence and the back and forth and the fading in and out and yeah, that's probably my favorite part of the movie. I just think it was well done. That whole the whole part with the alien being born, so to speak, and the like the dog's chest going in and out. Oh my god! Uh, um, I know, just so like visceral and um, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. As usual, I wrote down a bunch of stuff. One of the first favorite things I love about this movie is the tense version of the Fox fans fa- fanfare at the beginning. Oh, yeah. How, like, it has the, like, 20th Century Fox thing, and then the no just stays. And it oh, just, yeah. like, builds up, and then it goes to space. And it fades out. I, I love how so many, of like, all these movies just start, like, in space. Just, like, with stars and darkness, and it's just so ominous and creepy. I, I love that. Um, also, I think, I don't know if I saw this in previous ones, but, uh, Weaver is a co-producer on this one, Mm, um, which is awesome. Uh, I really, I was like, oh, good for her. And she's always been very involved in this series and, and Ripley as a character, which I thought was really cool. 
Um, I also think this is when Alec Gillis and Todd Woodruff, Todd, Tom Woodruff officially took over as like the alien suit effects guys. Mm-hmm. Previously, they had worked with Stan Winston, but this is when I believe they started their own company and they kind of became the alien effects guys for a while. So that was cool. And they even get credit in the beginning of the movie. Beyond that, I, I I love the look of this movie. It's so fucking depressing looking. Like all the shots of the prison planet and the storm outside are great. It has some of the saddest production design I've ever seen. Yeah. Everything looks bleak and and sad. I love the whole I love that circular tunnel with the fan at the end. Mm-hmm. Oof. That that whole set. Um obviously I love what happens in there too, but yeah. that whole set is great. Um I like that there's all these like those hall those hallways with the huge like diagonal pipes across the ceiling are so cool. Everything's like dark and scary. The only the only like space in the entire place that actually feels safe is the mess hall, yeah. which I think was done on purpose. It's purposely made like white Bright. and like yeah. cool colors where everything else is like bleak and 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 kind of warm colors. And so it's even more alarming when that guy gets fucking ganked from the ceiling in that scene. Yeah, because you, you, the, the safe space is violated. Exactly. And he's surrounded by people. I remember when I was a kid, I was legitimately surprised that that happened because... There were so many people around, you know? There were so many people, and that was like the one room that felt safe, which I'm sure was done on purpose. I'm sure that was a purposeful decision by, you know, in terms of production design and David Fincher. Um I love the use of flares for all the lighting in certain scenes. Um, the lighting of the whole furnace at the end is great and very 90s, very like orange. I really like that. The cast is 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 great. Obviously, Sigourney Weaver is fantastic and she does such a great job in this movie. And I, I mean, like I was thinking about this, even in terms of like male actors, how many big name stars would sign up to be such a tortured character? I know. Like, no, no ego. She just puts story and character over her own ego. Uh, she like she has such a tragic mm-hmm. ending. Yeah. She she's she's smart. She knows how to hotwire uh, androids and shit. It's 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 great. She's awesome. I, I love when she's not intimidated by the by these prisoners at all because she's been through so much fucking awful shit. Yep. She's like whatever. Like I I'm not like intimidated by these people. Charles fucking dance. I love Charles <laughs> Oof, dance. So good. Um, he's so good. He's such a he's such a great actor. He he can be either so creepy and disturbing, like something in like Last Action Hero, or he can be so immediately trustworthy, yeah. like he is in this movie. Yeah. Charles S. Dutton was great in this, and I you know it's it's weird. I remember like around this time, Charles S. Dutton was kind of a big deal and it seemed like he was on his way to being like a pretty, you know, a pretty big character actor, but then he just kind of faded out. Yeah. Cause he was riding on the popularity of rock. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought for sure between that and like this movie, I thought he would have, you know, really gone somewhere and I'm, I'm not saying he hasn't, but I just feel like he was like a. He was a name that you heard a lot and saw in things in the 90s and then just poof. Yeah. In fairness to Charles Eston, he does. He, I mean, he's a working actor. He still is to this day. He Hell, he was. Yeah, he is. Hell, he was in Mimic. Uh, ah, that's right. Go. He was the cop. He has a habit of being in movies where very talented directors are constantly fucked with by studios. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to disparage him. He's not doing badly. I just, mm-hmm. I just really thought, I remember feeling like he was on the verge of really blowing up back then. For sure. But. I love them. I love the guy. Yeah, he's great. Like he, um, what? Who's the name of that actor who was in Panic Room? Uh, he was in he was in Rogue One. Pat, oh my, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Like, Ghost Dog himself. Ghost Dog. Yeah. At one point, I feel like the two of them were kind of competing for a lot of the same roles in like the in the nineties. Maybe. Yeah. And for some reason, Charles S. Dutton managed to like Charles S. Dutton kind of faded out and and Forrest Whitaker stuck around in a lot of ways like I I bet you that both of them read for the same part in Panic Room after Fincher worked with Dutton on this yeah because I could see him playing that part too they both have that they both have that same kind of reliable character actor vibe and they're likable kind of almost immediately but can be kind of uh intimidating too but anyway I hope he's I hope he's doing what he wants it's just I'm surprised I just think it's funny that you went with Rogue One for. Ch- <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think about it because I was like, he was in the Shield, right? Um, but I don't think you guys watched the Shield. He's Dog. been in many things. Yeah, yeah, he's been in tons of movies. I know, it's, I, it's, just, it's just funny to me. That's all. Well, I always try to think of the things because, like, uh, Susie always knows thing people from movies that I don't necessarily know them from. So mm-hmm. I'm always trying to think of the movies that people will know them from. I was like, Tim liked Star Wars. You probably know he'll, if I say Rogue One. Yeah, he yeah he was Saw Guerrera. Thank you very much. There you go. There you go. Um, and also uh, Lance Henriksen, who also provides a voice to a very a great uh, animatronic at one point in the movie. Oh, but yeah. having Lance Henriksen show up as the company man was fucking smart. That was that was a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. That was like a really cool idea. And it's funny, I always mix that whole part up with the scene in Terminator 2 where there's two Sarah Connors. Oh. And in my memory, I'm always like because they're both in Fact- furnace. Yeah, they're know, both in like rooms. metals, metal factories like. Yeah. And I I in my memory for years, I I always keep thinking that there's a whole question about whether or not she's another he's another android or yeah. actually human and i was like watching it this time and i was like is there does she realize that he's not sweating like everyone else and i was watching it and i was like it doesn't look like he's sweating but then i remember that's in like that's from the like extended cut of terminator 2 when john connor realizes that sarah connor is not the fake sarah connor is not sweating with the heat but either way I, I used to, like, I, I wish they kind of left it unclear about whether or not he was an android, but... Well, I mean, when his, clear. like, whole, like, ear gets ripped off, basically. I, <laughs> I know, but we and see the red I, blood, so. Yeah, there's blood, so... Which I is know. interesting, because he's credited as Bishop 2, right? Yeah. But we see the red blood, and apparently in the tie-in material, they actually identified him as Michael Bishop Wayland. Mm. Right! Right. Yeah. So further cementing that it was definitely human, obviously, if the red blood wasn't a giveaway. But yeah. Either way, great idea to have him show up. That was such a, like, as if Ripley hasn't been through enough. God, what a way to, like, completely throw her off in the last moment. Oh, and it's such an eerie, like, he just has, like, he's such a. Such an eerie? Like, he's just so weird. He's so eerie, you know? <laughs> it's eerie. He yeah. is so weird. It is eerie. What happened? Uh, uh, <laughs> um. And the last two things I'll mention is I just love Charles Dance and Sigourney Weaver together. I love that he stood up for Ripley. Mm -hmm. I love that Ripley is just like, I want to get laid. (laughs) It's been a long, lonely time. I've had a shitty fucking life. 
things have sucked. Yeah. I want to get laid. And and she just like came right out and they went and did it. I respect that. Good for her. You know, get, get, get it, get it in for you. You know, fucking get it. That's right. Get it. Good for you. Good for you, Ripley. And then finally, the fucking gore in this movie. Seriously, yeah, right? so the, the good. guy getting acid in the eye and then rolling into the giant fan and fucking exploding. <laughs> and then when they go back afterwards and there's just chunks of him like mm-hmm. stuck to the ceiling. And the boot with like just the flesh. <laughs> and then the guy who gets like picked up and you know into like the ceiling and then he like gets like hit in the face and his bl- and blood flies back on the guy below Oof. um charles did this was the beginning of, remember they didn't really do this until this movie the point where the the, the little mouth became like super powerful that it could get through like anything skull. <laughs> yeah. it just it just like it's like a fucking jackhammer through charles dance's skull yeah. and then uh, the guy from the Lost World, uh, Postwaith, whatever his name is, is killed because it punches through his head all the way, mind you, to the point where it crash it crashes through the window behind him, which was fantastic. So, yeah, not only is the second mouth really strong, but also very long. It very long. I love the variable length of it. It's great. And also the guy who gets killed right when he's about to get through the door and his body seemingly like explodes and we see his flailing dummy leg for a second. <laughs> Oh, so great. Like, this movie's just so fucking brutal. So good. Uh, Do you have any honorable mentions or things that you had mixed emotions about, sometimes known as the cronies in honor of the director, David Cronenberg? So I had, this isn't really a crony, but it's a mixed emotions about them pretty much telling you right off the bat in the first couple of minutes that Sigourney Weaver has an alien in her. Yes. Um, I... I, I I still don't love that, but yeah, because yeah, yeah it, it ruins the. Uh, correct me, what what happens first? What, yeah, because they find that out before the aliens matured, right? Yeah. Well, yes. they like it's like the those. I mean, also I honorable mention for for sure to the the opening credits and the flashes back and forth between like what's happening on the Sulaco to you know um that is a very good just to establish what is happening gonna happen um but yeah like you like find out there because you see the right the the arms of the face hugger extending and then you see like a the cryotube glass the cryotube crack and then there's like an x-ray i mean i suppose you don't you don't know that it's Ripley until you find out that Hicks and Newt are dead, but still, yeah. like... Well, either way, at that point, right, like, so we see, like, one facehugger, right, and it's impl- it seems like it's on uh, one of the tubes, so that's why there's the possible fear that Newt was killed that way. Yeah. But then there's apparently another facehugger that gets the dog, so yeah. for a little while, we're kind of kept in suspense with the possible belief that the facehugger was not able to get to them right. and continue to exist until it crashed and then it got the dog. Yeah. And they even threw in that because she was in hypersleep for so long, she was going to be sick for a couple weeks. Mm. So they they set the groundwork for a pretty good suspense. 
but then they give it away pretty early. Right. And to the point that they even give away that it's a queen, which I thought was even stranger. Like if I thought that would have been such a cool reveal for when the when the chestburster comes out, if we could see that it was a queen then and we'd be like, oh, fuck, they really dodged a bullet there. Yeah. But they yeah, I I, they, I have like mixed emotions about that, too, because I think it would have been hard to really fool us for that long, especially if they had the alien not kill Ripley. Mm. but I do kind of miss the possible tension of not knowing that that is what's happening during the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And on on that note, my honorable mention goes to Tom Woodruff as the alien. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the other funny, great thing about that. (laughs) Like, I know he is the alien, you know? So that was good. Yeah. And he's great. I mean, he's been, he did it in aliens as well. He was like the main alien actor, I believe. Oh, right. Yeah. And he did it in Alien Resurrection. Um, I would assume he probably did it on Aliens vs. Predator, too. Probably both of them. Probably. So one of my honorable mentions is uh, <laughs> just how fucking brutal this movie is. <laughs> and I, again, I have mixed emotions on it. Right. That, I guess that's more what it is, because I I respect how brutal the movie is. But it's it's also make it kind of makes watching it kind of punishing in a way, because there's just like. It's just so fucking bleak. And even though it makes like for a good story, I guess, that Newt and Hicks are killed straight away, it's also very upsetting that they're killed straight away. It's, it's yeah. terrible. They get fridged, man. Yeah. And then the whole fucking awful scene where she has to inspect Newt's body. Jesus, yeah. And the whole thing with they have to do a Charles Dance is like forced to do an autopsy in front of her, like all that shit. The poor, the poor dog, uh, like good lord, um, poor Bishop. The fact that he's like, please unplug me. Yeah, I don't want to live like this. Like Jesus. Like e- this movie is even too depressing for a synthetic human. Even a synthetic human is like, no, I'm good. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, at the same time, I like that it kind of turns back to dark sci-fi horror like the first movie. Um, and I like that it doesn't really feel like a retread of the first movie. And they added like the fact that their inmates are also a threat too. I thought was kind of cool to kind of up the horror element of the movie. Um, I hate the whole like scene, the, the, the sexual assault scene. Yeah. Um, which luckily doesn't actually happen, but I hate that whole scene yeah. and the whole like these men can't help themselves kind of thing. Yeah, just... But I love the guitar techno soundtrack when oh Charles I meant to Dutton... mention that I know so nineties. <laughs> it's like when he like when Dutton shows up to kick their asses, and I love that Ripley got a punch into Charles Dance getting killed like right in this like nice moment with Ripley because she can't have anything nice. Nope. So sad. I also like that. I did like the scene where the the like warden is killed in the mess hall because it was a great way of establishing a new order. Because that guy was like blaming Ripley and saying like this is Ripley's fault, everything's going wrong, and then he gets killed in front of everyone. So everyone <laughs> almost immediately shifts to being like, uh, "What do we do, Ripley?" <laughs> and the whole thing where like. She when she's falling into the furnace and she's holding it to make sure it dies with her. Yeah, Jesus it's just Christ! A, it's such a horrible, tragic end to this poor woman's life. N- no, like, not tragic because she went out a fucking hero still. Well, yeah, but like 
yeah, I know. It's a, I, know. I guess it's like I guess you could say positive it, tragedy. It's, it's bittersweet. <laughs> it, it, it's bittersweet. Maybe is the better way. Of saying. Yeah, like tragically heroic. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's just like yeah, she still wins, which is fucking awesome because yeah. that's what Ripley does. But like, oh. Ripley. Like, I don't know if I've ever wanted a character to have a happy ending more than Ripley. Seriously, no. It, it's just like, oh, poor human. Um, and then it has this corporate ending, which I think was very purposeful. It has such a cold corporate ending, <laughs> just like uh, sealing up the place, uh, blah, 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 and transmission. Um, that was just, so yeah, movie's brutal. Um, I liked uh, Chekhov's Crematorium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder what's if this giant like furnace thing is going to come into play later. <laughs> um I liked I have mixed emotions about the alien. Um I liked that we don't get a lot of, you know, they don't they kind of go back close mo- it's more like alien than aliens and that it's very brief shots of the alien in this one. Mm-hmm. But that CGI xenomorph is super disappointing. Well, yeah. It's what 92, it was man. 92. Oh, yeah, totally. But the thing that I keep thinking, right, is like I understand that they wanted to be like, oh, it came out of a dog or, uh, you know, whatever it originally was, whatever animal originally was. I can't remember. So it has it's different biology, different, you know, anatomy. I get it. Makes perfect sense. The thing is, like, I don't know if anyone would have cared if we never got a good look at it and just saw we just got those like suit shots Mm. i don't know if the movie would be any worse i don't think anyone would be like i want to see the whole thing yeah like i don't think any of the cgi shots of the of the xenomorph were actually like good necessarily and i don't think they really added much to the movie so i kind of feel like maybe they could have lost them i'd say i'd say they're probably the weakest part of the entire movie and in fact i even think it looks kind of like cute you know, because you can tell it's like you can tell it's a guy in a in a, in a suit in the close ups. Right. And then when it goes to like the CGI dog like creature and wide shots, it's like it's kind of cute. It's cuter than scary to me. Um, it's like, oh, it's a little xenomorph dog. Dog is a dog is a dog, you know. I know. It's like, hey, let's let's take it for a walk. It just it just needs to go to the bathroom. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but that said, I do love the incredibly iconic shot of the mouth coming at Ripley's face, yeah. which yeah. I would say is probably arguably the most iconic shot of the entire series, because it just, it just sums up all of these movies in one shot. It's like poor fucking Ripley versus these fucking creatures. Mm. And they're just like stuck in this constant battle together. So that shot's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I love when Ripley see, thinks she sees the alien and it's actually a pipe. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's clear that she imagined it because it's clearly the alien until she hits it. And then it's just a pipe and all these fucking like, you know, gnats come out or whatever. And I like her line. You've been in my life so long. I can't remember anything else. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I also enjoyed the alien vision, even though I don't think they have real eyes. Yeah, it's never really. I've always gotten the impression they like kind of have sonar or something, but I I don't I'm not an expert. I think that goes back to Giger's original costume where the dome was a little bit more transparent. You could see a human skull underneath it. Yeah, yeah, 
But even when they had, you could see the human skull, there was no eyes in there. Right, right. But, you know, it's the idea. Of so I, I always took it as like, even if it has kind of a skull, it doesn't necessarily have eyes. But I, I honestly don't know. I think at one point I looked it up forever ago, but I don't remember. We can, you know, that'll, maybe that'll be in corrections next week. <laughs> I'm sorry. Aliens, aliens sense the world by pheromones. <laughs> it might be that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably like ant biology. Yeah, actually, I do think it is pheromones, if I remember correctly. Well, if that's the case, you just draw, you just use a Sharpie marker, draw a circle around the alien, the xenomorph, and you can't figure out because you've disrupted his, his pheromone trail. See, you you would totally survive one of these movies, Tim. There you go. <laughs> I also loved the part where, well, I also, an honorable mention for me was when Ripley was trying to convince 85, is that what they call him? The, like, second in command with yeah. the... 85 IQ. Mm-hmm. She's trying to convince him that Wayland is going to do all this shitty stuff and then he like fights her and then she leaves the room and then he immediately sees that message that's like we are expediting this. We will be right there. Keep her quarantined. <laughs> and he's like, oh shit. oh shit. She was right. I like when there's a part, a part where Ripley takes a flare from a body that's apparently stuck to the ceiling. Yep. Just again the brutality, right? <laughs> that was great. Um, I loved Charles S. Dutton's character doing something that very few people have ever done for Ripley. He sacrifices sacrifices himself to save Ripley. Yeah, that was like pretty great. I glad I I thought she really deserved that. I also love the triumphant music after they get the alien caught in the lead. Of course, then it just jumps out. But I know. You know very like this very like. It's very bright and it's celebratory moments in this otherwise very dour movie. It was like, holy shit. And then, of course, it just jumps right out. I do like that they killed it with, like, chemistry, though, because they cooled it yep. after it had been. <laughs> yeah. Thermal shock wins the day. Yeah. Killed by chemistry. and Nice. Do you guys have a favorite death scene? I mean, you already mentioned it. It was a fan explodey. I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Charles Dance, too. I know. I I'm having tr- I would have trouble choosing. Charles Dance is great. The fan explode is great. The explosion with the dummy leg is great. <laughs> some good deaths in this one. This this may have some of the better, more visceral deaths in the series. I would Absolutely. say gory deaths at least. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, most of Alien was off camera. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Exactly. There were more like psychologically terrible, terrifying deaths in, in the previous movies. Right. Was there anything you didn't like about Alien Three? Was there anything that confused you? For I, it, it doesn't bother me now. But I, I was hung up on like the eggs and the Sulaco for a little while. Like how they get there. Yeah. You know when did they get there? Who you know like? But now it's just like it doesn't matter. Right. Right. And I think they counted that on that. But I, yeah. agree, I agree with you with that. It's like, well, the queen had disconnected <laughs> had disconnected from her egg sac back on, you know, yeah. the planet. So how yeah. did these get up here? When did she have time? So I know. But yeah. And I, like, it's certainly, it's not like Burke had time to squeeze them in there or anything. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, Burke just put them in his vest pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Burke. I wouldn't put it past him. I know, right? Um... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a valid criticism. Any, anything uh, for you, Tim? Uh, no, I mean, just, I mean, for me, when I was younger, it was the oppressiveness of the film. Yeah, which was like hard for me to stomach. And again, maybe it's because I'm dead inside now, but it was <laughs> it was a little bit better this time. This I could tolerate it a little bit better this time around. So. Yeah, I mean, I was watching this movie and I was like, I, this makes me feel 
not really any more depressed than the last like three years have. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's really the most off-putting thing for folks is probably the oppressive, the downerness of it, the whole thing. I mean, I I would say the only things that's actually like quote unquote bad about this movie is the the dour aspect of the movie, which isn't necessarily bad. It just might not be fun to watch because of it. Yeah. And I and the like 90s CGI. (laughs) Those are arguably the only things about this movie that I would say are bad, which I think is incredible considering how troubled the production was. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The fact again, the fact that they got a coherent movie of any kind is amazing yeah yeah i agree see i'm beyond that the only other thing i was going to say was i i agree with you matt about the i kind of wish they had kept the alien inside ripley as a surprise but i don't know if that would have worked but i kind of wish they could have but yeah otherwise i don't really have anything bad to say about this movie yeah maybe they maybe they introduced the the alien and ripley Early on, as a form of ticking clock mechanic, which also right, yeah. which also works right. because yeah, it, it it does work. Right, that's a good point because that also works because it gives them like we have to get this done by a certain time. It explains why Ripley is so willing to sacrifice herself. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it 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 does work from a story point of view this way. I don't know if it would work the other way. It just might have been a little more exciting. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know if the, it's probably I wouldn't be surprised if they actually tried to keep it a secret and they just realized that like story mechanics wise, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you're probably right, Tim. It probably was to give it a ticking clock. Easy way to build drama. Exactly. So would you give <laughs> would you give any random aesthetic choices in Alien 3 a breaky award in honor of the windbreakers and the Neil Blomkamp movie Demonic? Yeah, I mean, the um the. The whaling guys that show up at the end are pretty cool. They are pretty cool. Yeah, I mean that's mine too. The the whaling Utani commandos. Let's do it. <laughs> um, that's those. That's that's good. I I probably should have thought of that as well. Um, I had as possibilities is the uh the coats, the like the like bomber jackets that mm. many of them had. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I liked, but I think my breaky would actually go to young. Holt McElhaney and his teardrop tattoo. Uh, yeah, <laughs> also good. Fair enough. One of the better teardrop tattoos I've seen in a movie, if I have to. <laughs> if I have to. If you have to see a teardrop quantify. tattoo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd be his. And I wonder if it still means the same thing at this <laughs> point, you know? Who knows? It's the grim, dark future <laughs> of the alien universe. We'll never know. <laughs> it could mean that he... um. Fuck, what's the name of the uh, aliens from Alien th- Aliens? The other aliens. The sex aliens. Oh, right. Um, uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever. <laughs> oh, Octurian. Octor- yeah, it could, it, it could mean he's killed an Octurian or something. Who knows? <laughs> hey, if it's Octurian, it doesn't matter. <laughs> or Octurian. It's Octurian or Octurian. Uh, I can't remember. It's, yeah. I, like I can't remember. Arturian, something yeah. like that. <laughs> But yeah, then it probably wouldn't get a he probably wouldn't get a tattoo for that because if it's Arturian, it doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> so finally, w- would you recommend Alien Three? Absolutely. Yeah, you got to. It's it's the original trilogy. It, it's the real. It's the bookend. You need to do it. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? In reality, this is a perfectly good trilogy. Yes. It, yeah. it has a beginning, middle, and end. It is has a very final ending. Mm-hmm. 
it it is technically a very solid trilogy. I I'm, I don't necessarily mind that they made more alien movies after this, but it worked very well as a trilogy before yeah. they added more. Yep. And I think maybe Alien Resurrection was created as like, wow, aliens are just so dark, so dour. <laughs> yeah. We need yeah I think that's exactly why they made it. Yeah. Like, we need to give some kind of hope for Ellen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I'd recommend it too. I mean, maybe I'd, you know, say make sure you're not on the verge of a psychotic break or something <laughs> when you're watching it. But otherwise, yeah, by all means, it's, it, it is, it is a legitimately good movie and an even better movie when you know how hard it was to make. Yeah, seriously. Watch a really nice, like funny comedy before watching this. <laughs> or immediately after. Oh, yeah, whichever. Or immediately after. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Before we go, did either of you watch any other movies this week that you'd like to, to quickly recommend? No, Elden Ring came out and that's been my life. Nah. I watched that fucking movie Marry Me with uh, <laughs> with Owen Wilson oh, J-Lo. Oh, J-Lo. and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. And my God, guys, it is horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> it is like, it is legitimately like a movie... It is one of the more mathematically made movies I have ever seen, without wow. question. Wow. It is it is so fucking weird. It some scenes are really serious for some reason, and some scenes are kind of like goofy, and some scenes are funny. It is it is such a weird thing. It's just like a commercial for Jennifer Lopez and like her brand. <laughs> it's it's just so fucking bizarre. You never like learn anything about Owen Wilson's character. He like doesn't exist as a person. Um, it's just so fucking weird. And the thing that's even weirder is if you look at IMDb or Reddit, all of the people, like all the IMDb reviews or all the comments in like the official discussion for the movie on Reddit are shockingly positive. They're all like, it reminds me of rom-coms from the early thousands, blah, blah, blah. You just like, you know, it's, you got to know what to expect from it. And I'm like, those rom-coms in the early thousands were good. Yeah. They were actually, it was like a golden period of rom-coms and this movie is shit. What are you talking about? You're also assuming those are real people. That's the thing. That's the thing that's even weirder is I'm convinced that they got a t- fuck ton of bots or like marketing people to create all these Reddit accounts yeah. to spam it with all these super positive things. It was so fucking weird. Like if, if anyone listening to this wants to look for it out of curiosity um, and maybe some people will like the movie more than I did, but it's just it is really wild. If you look at the Reddit official discussion or the IMDb reviews, they are shockingly positive, And I am almost entirely sure that they are bots. It is very weird. That's oh, yeah. so weird. Very few people are both a summer and a winter, but you pull it off nicely. What's the point, big boy? Has anybody ever told you you have a serious impulse control problem? Ah, the sound of Jim Carrey saying one of his great lines from Batman Forever means we are out of time. We're going to take a week off to celebrate Tim's birthday. No. But we'll be back. Oh. <laughs> but we'll be back. We'll be back the Monday after next with a new episode, assuming we aren't heartlessly killed off screen in order to create drama for people on a more prominent podcast before then. <laughs> if you have any questions for me, Matt, or Tim, you can reach us through our email, aiptmoviespod at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at aiptmoviespod. And please do find us on Twitter and follow us. 
if you like this podcast or any of the other great podcasts, articles, or features on AIPT, you can help support the site and the people who work on it by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash AIPTcomics. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it's okay to love movies. They may not be able to love you back, but they'll always be there for you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I'll, I'll end it with a Charles Dance quote. At least I got off the morphine. <laughs>